Hello and welcome to Dusty's Hideaway. Dusty's Hideaway! I'm Dusty Limits and this is my podcast because that's what the world was really crying out for, wasn't it? Another podcast. In this show I'll be interviewing some wonderful artists and asking them about the things that inspire them and the surprising things that they are passionate about. This podcast is dedicated to Kieran Knightley. Kieran Knightley! Who inspired it? Today my guest is one of my oldest, oldest, oldest friends. Singer, actor, writer, director, teacher and all-round cabaret monster, Paulus. Paulus, welcome! Hello, how are you, darling? I think we've spent more time together during this isolation period than we have in the last 10 years, actually, given podcasts and Zoom meetings and things. It's the very weird slogan for COVID-19, which is COVID-19, bringing people together. Yeah, right. <laughs> Aspects of it have been really, really good. I've, I've learned a lot about myself. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a very successful day drinker. Um, <laughs> to have you as my first ever guest and let's face it depending on how this goes possibly my last ever guest you paulus have inadvertently or possibly advertently supplied the show with its philosophy which uh, you said in a message to me when you were confirming your your involvement which is you steer the ship and i shall attempt to mutiny <laughs> in theory this when it goes out will be 30 minutes long but god only knows with you and me yeah well, I've got I've got a student uh, in an hour and twenty minutes, so that's my only time limit. <laughs> okay, so for the listeners at home, so they get a sense of who you are, assuming that they don't know who you are, which I find hard to believe. But you know, you never know, do you? <laughs> Young people these days, no idea of you know their antecedents. No, exactly. I know some people. Uh, you know, I, I've told you this a million times, but my, my bar for. Uh, for being uh, old <laughs> and uh, working with young people uh, is that uh, if they don't know who Alison Moyer is, they can't have a job with me. I just don't want, I don't want anything to do with people that don't know who she is. Snuggles, my lovely boyfriend Sebastian Snuggles Angelique is in the room with us at the moment. We only have one room in this flat, as you are well aware. Um, do you know who Alison Moyer is? Yes. Good. Yes. <laughs> you can have a job in a pantomime one day, young man. Well, what's, what's terribly, terribly sad is that the new one, which has superseded the Do You Know Who Alison Moyer is, is Do You Know Who Victoria Wood was? Because I've, I've been working with some people, you know, 18, 19-year-olds who are too young to remember who she is. And then you go, that woman who wrote Dinner Ladies, and they go, oh, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they've seen repeats, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, you're doing a show. In fact, when does it open? 22nd of October or something? Cool, that was quick off the mark. Well done. Yes, I'm going to the Two Brewers on the 22nd of October for socially distanced live entertainment. Yeah, <laughs> with my Victoria Wood uh, themed show. Yeah, it's, a, it's the music of Victoria Wood. It's called Looking for Me Friend. Excellent. The music of Victoria Wood. And myself and our dear friend, Mr. Michael Ralston, will be on the Joanna. That's really nice for me. Yeah. Oh, it's nice for all of us. It's good. It, I, I think it'll feel very, very weird. I've got a gig tomorrow, and I think it'll feel very strange to be back on a stage. But I don't think it's a bad strange. Just it's just strange. Just it's just, it's just reflexing muscles. I think it's like being away from the gym. I'm sorry, I can't finish that sentence without laughing. I mean, because <laughs> I don't know how to finish it. To a gym. <laughs> I know some people called Jim. <laughs> it's like seeing a friend called Jim again after a long time. Right, so I have some pro forma questions for you. These are my constant craving questions. How would you describe your artistic work in one sentence? And it can be a run-on sentence, but one sentence with lots of adjectives and adverbs. Go. 
Uh, well, first of all, the thing I should uh, tell you is that even though I've written a number of plays <laughs> and other things like comedy sketches and pantomimes, I had to look up adjective and adverb because I'm really shit at those, <laughs> those definitions. Uh, so I was thinking about this and the easiest way to describe what I do is I facilitate groups of people. Sometimes I do that on screen, sometimes I do it on stage, sometimes I do it in fields. I take groups of disparate people and I try and uh, navigate what they're going to do for the next two hours to two days and I do it hopefully with some wit and some elan and some authority and that's kind of it. Fields. <laughs> yeah. People, Paulus, and not sheep. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've spent, I spend a lot of time in, in fields up and down the country dressed as a ringmaster covered in badges. And they're very well paid, very well paid events. Like I did the closing uh, ceremony and wrap party for the Olympic staff at the Copper Box and the Queen's uh, Jubilee celebrations in Battersea Park next to lots of enormous cakes and things. And uh, yeah, it's just a lot of packing your thermals and hoping it doesn't rain. <laughs> Excellent answer. Um, and, and lovely, lovely use of adjectives and adverbs. I like Thank it. Thank you. Okay, so this is a slightly complex sounding question. What do you think people think you're best known for? Oh, well, I, uh, unfortunately, I think the, the majority of the nation know me for, for the TV show altogether now and being an extremely uh, grumpy and uh, sometimes uh, harsh critic of other singers. Sometimes. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say what you told me I was the day, uh, the, day I, the, the moment I saw you after I'd made the programme, the, the time I saw you after. <laughs> but I wouldn't possibly be so vulgar as to repeat it. <laughs> I mean, that was your job to be the pantomime villain. That's what they said, yeah. The, the, uh, uh, Rob Beckett, who hosted the programme, the very first thing he ever said to me in front of a, a live studio audience and the rest of the panel and Jerry Halliwell was, so, Paulus, you're our panto villain. And it wasn't a question, it was a statement. And you've got all the, the, the lights blazing and the hundreds of banks of cameras in front of you and all of these people, as I say, and you have to go, really, really, you know how you do as a host uh, or, or just as a live entertainer that has no fourth wall between them and the audience, you have to go, right, that's what we're playing. Okay, good. I'll play that. Play that thing. And then it defines your life for but three it, years. It worked. It really did work. And it was good for the show to have that. But, yeah. you know, I've known you for 20 years, 20 years and, and change. And so I know you are not a pantomime villain. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny when I talk to people about the programme and they say, oh, my God, I, you actually stood up in series two. And I'm like, if you watch the programme very carefully, I stand up at least once in every single episode. But that's not the way that the show is cut. And that's not the game they want to play with me. Yeah. And that's fine. That's really Pull us off the telly. Yeah, unfortunately, for my sins, I am. And they're not such... They're venial sins. They're not... I mean, I'm not Katie Hopkins, you know, and... Uh... <laughs> I'd have more Twitter followers if I was. <laughs> How did you get into, you know, because, you know, you're a, you're a teacher, you're a singer, you're an actor, you're a playwright. I've seen your plays, I've seen your stuff. Um, how did you get into this? Like, was there like a, a, a moment in your youth where you went, this is what I want to do? Or was it a kind of gradual slide, like into addiction, you know? And in, in, in that case, what was the gateway drug? I think if, if I'm really honest, it, it's bossiness. That's the, that's the... <laughs> 
<laughs> the gateway drug. My earliest memory of, of any of the things that you just said is, is standing in the recreation ground in the little village I lived outside Canterbury in Kent with my oldest friends, Stuart and Sarah, who for some reason still speak to me, and, and, and directing, in air quotes, uh, them in a play called Who Owns the Castle that I'd written uh, adapted from a short children's book. And we were seven, and, and I'm like, uh, and I'm standing there telling what to do. And we performed to Owners the Castle as part of the Little Bourne Village Fate um, to, oh, two nuns and a whippet. I think that was probably where that phrase comes from. <laughs> and, and soon after that, I wrote a, a murder mystery called Dynastily, based on Dynasty. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote an adaptation of Winnie the Pooh for the stage, which never got aired. And then uh, you know, fast forward 30 years and you were standing on a stage saying my stupid nonsense <laughs> instead of Stuart and Sarah. So it's just bossiness and control, I think. <laughs> when you were seven, where you went, like this feeling that I'm having about this whole situation, bossiness, that's an interest. That's, that's one I've not encountered before. Usually it's a abiding passion for artistry and, and, and joy. But no, bossiness is a, a much more honest and candid explanation for our careers. <laughs> well, it's, it's control. That's, I think, what I've sought throughout my life. And, and often it's been very problematic, you know, as an actor, which I have been. I've been in musicals and I've been in plays, but I'm not very easy to direct, as you know, because uh, as I do what I do, <laughs> and I think I know best most of the time. And uh, I have a very strong personality, so I think some people don't even bother trying. <laughs> I think sometimes, speaking as a director, that when you have someone who does have a very strong personality, if you've, if you've cast them correctly, if you've cast them appropriately, you just let them run with it. Well, that, that's right. I, I hope that for the majority of people I've worked with, they picked me for the right reasons and we had a nice little ride. But I just, yeah... What, you know, when you're in lockdown and you've rethought your entire life five times and just think, oh, God, I must be so much worse than even my worst critic is saying. That's, yeah, there's a lot of that going around <laughs> again and again. <laughs> I've read the most wonderful thing about imposter syndrome. You know, we all suffer from imposter syndrome and it never seems yeah. to go away. The more, the, more, the more proof you have that you're actually good at what you do, empirically, logically, you should go, well, actually, there's, there's evidence that I'm good at this, so I, I must be good at it, but it never goes away. But someone said, if you're going to have an imposter syndrome issue, at least pretend you're a criminal mastermind who's got everybody fooled. At least, you know, give yourself a mwa-ha-ha-ha-ha and, you know, rumble fingertips together kind of moment where you say, well, aha, I've deluded all these poor benighted fools. What's amusing to me right now is, is, is only you and I are really very aware how many times we've written that line, ma ha 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 ha, for each other to say. In fact, my... No, it's absolutely true. I just, I think I came upon, the only way I can really cope with it is a, a notion that I came upon maybe three or four years ago, imposter syndrome, I mean, not, not going ma ha ha. Um, it is that I've been doing this for I've been doing this since I was seven. I've been doing this since I wrote uh, Who Owns the Castle. So I've been doing this for 38 years. If I don't know what I'm doing by now, yeah. then I'm never going to. So, I, I, yeah, I've just sort of given my permission to throw the clipboard out the window, which, of course, I haven't. It's right here next to me. But, yeah. yeah. And go and trust. Trust myself. Trust is the thing. Self-trust, yes. And self-love. Okay. 
So these are the kind of generic questions you get from uh, silly interviews, but I, I like them. Sometimes they can be very revealing. Sometimes they reveal nothing at all. What is your star sign slash Patronus? And does any of that mean anything to you? Or is it just a bunch of silly nonsense? I, I, I used to spend a tremendous amount of time thinking about my star sign and thinking that it was relevant. And I'm on the cusp of Gemini and Cancer. So I'm not a two-faced git. I'm a three-faced git. <laughs> Um, but apparently this year they've moved star signs, which is perverse idea to me. So I'm now a Cancer, and I used to have a store a lot of uh, you know uh, stuff uh, next to that. And I used to think Jonathan Kainer was a genius, and I read any, anything that he star sign that he wrote wherever he was writing for. And then I got a job working for QX magazine as an intern when it first started. And the third thing we did in the morning, the day I worked there was somebody put the kettle on and we were just leaning against tables and stuff very casually. Someone put the kettle on and someone else said, so who's going to make up the star signs this week then? And I, my, I, my heart broke. It's absolutely heartbroken. I just thought all of those hours with Jonathan Kena <laughs> that I spent <laughs> believing this utter twaddle. So it doesn't mean much to me, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, okay, and if you had a superpower, what would it be? I asked this to oh, a supermodel once in an interview I did for an Australian magazine. I said, what would your superpower be if you had one? And she said, invisibility, which I thought was the most extraordinary thing for a, a model to say, but totally relatable. That's lovely, isn't it? I really like that. Was that the magazine you were writing for when I met you, when you came to London? For, was it called Blue? Uh, yeah, Black and White and Blue was two different magazines. One, one yeah. the general populace, one for the LGBTQI population. It's the very first thing I ever learned about you, that you, you were writing for that, that magazine called Blue. It's the very first thing you ever said to me. Other than, oh, good eye, can I have some paper, please? Um, <laughs> you brought me till roll. <laughs> Available for remakes of Prisoner Cell Block H with that accent whenever anyone's ready. Um, <laughs> uh, the answer to the question is, uh, I've, I've been thinking about this since I was tremendously young. I just want to go to different places immediately. Like, So I've got to go uh, up north tomorrow for some paid uh, work. Amazing. And I, I just like to blink and be at the Airbnb. Or, or even better, just be at the event on Saturday morning and not have to stay at the Airbnb the night before or get on a train. <laughs> and I've been, I, I just... I, I hate travelling. I hate it. I hate flying, particularly. Yeah, teleportation would be the oh, absolutely the, the, the gift of our time as well, because you minimise exposure to any risky path. Yeah. You just like blink, and I'm in Northumberland or wherever. It's very, it's very yeah, pandemic friendly. I would suggest. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for answering the pro forma questions, Paulers. Now, <laughs> I think we now feel as though we think we know you um, as Paulus the cabaret star. But before we go to the next section, it's time for fun fact corner. With Snuggles! Fun Fact Corner! With Snuggles! For those new here at Dusty's Hideaway, we like to dedicate a section of our podcast to something we call Fun Fact Corner with Snuggles, where I like to share a fun fact with the world that in some way relates to our special guest, which is Paulus. How that relates to them, however, that's entirely up to you. So, Paulus, are you ready for your fun fact of the day? Um, uh, yeah, really excited. Yeah? Very excited? No, just really, not very. That's it. You don't sound very excited. You sound... <laughs> right, so, the fun fact of the day. This is all to do with bad Santas. In 2004, a man dressed as Santa attacked a 74-year-old woman with a 2 by 4 inch wooden board at a shopping mall in Atlanta. Elkin Donning-Clark 
told police he knocked the woman unconscious because she had taken 29 boxes of Hershey's chocolates from him that day. <laughs> and that was the very good fun fact of the day. <laughs> it's not particularly useful. It's just quite fun. <laughs> I thought you said it related to me. <laughs> That's horrible. But just imagine the police report of having to go, imagine bringing in this person who's dressed as Santa, who is universally known as someone very sweet and going, right, what crime did you commit? And he goes, I knocked out a woman because she stole my Hershey's chocolate bar. Sorry, (laughs) dressed as Santa, it's Santa. There's only one Santa and he's real. Yes, there's only one Santa and he's entirely, completely real, of course. And that was today's fun fact with Snuggles. Now we get on to the bit about this podcast, which is kind of our gimmick. Now it's time for your secret love. Secret love. In this segment, we discuss something you're passionate about that isn't to do with your work and that might surprise people. If you reference your work as a performer, I shall ring a small bell. That's not really me ringing a small bell, it's me tapping on a wine glass with a pencil. Okay, so, Paulus, what is your secret love? My secret love is Denby Pottery. (laughs) I mean, okay. I think... (laughs) Okay, I have some very quick questions. First, what is Denby Pottery? Uh, uh, Denby is a brand. It's a brand of uh, what what Americans would call flatware, I suppose. Uh, cups, saucers, teapots, plates. Um, originally, uh, depends how far you want to go back in history, Denby uh, was very famous for uh, stone hot water bottles. Okay. Um, and uh, also they make uh, parts, or they used to make parts of pylons. Uh, ceramic, uh, the ceramic uh, sort of knobs that go on the top of parts of pylons. And they, uh, they, they're called Denby now. They used to be called Born Denby, and before that they were a factory called Born, and before that they were Langley and Love It. And they, uh, it's a pottery in the uh, north of this country, and uh, it's got a very, very long and illustrious heritage. I, I, you, you're literally the Wikipedia entry. You wrote the Wikipedia entry, didn't you? <laughs> no, I'm banned from doing that after I tried to do my own. <laughs> um, when and how and possibly why did you become passionate or interested in, in Denby Pottery? Well, I'm, I'm trying to think back to when I, first, when I got my first piece. And you would think that I, it was maybe a, a, a rather humble beginning, but it wasn't a humble beginning. My first piece of pottery, um, Denby Pottery, was given to me by my mother when I was 16 years old, instead of an Easter egg at, uh, at Easter. And I've got it here to show you. Uh, she bought me a Denby teapot in imperial blue. Oh, listeners, you can't see this, obviously, but it's a gorgeous kind of dark navy blue. I mean, arguably, a Den- uh, imperial blue is, is the most famous or perhaps the most popular of, of the Denby styles in the last... Uh, yeah, in the last 30 years at least. And and uh, I would I'd like to very, very quickly say that um, my mother is not rich and never has been, but she, but she didn't always know how to make me happy when I was a child because I w- was often very unhappy. I was bullied a lot and she, and she bought me things. She bought me nice, pretty things to make me happy. And probably because I was enormous, she thought we don't need another egg, Christmas, <laughs> you know, an Easter egg. Um, so, so a Denby teapot it was, and, and I love tea and I, and I was drinking tea from the age of 11 years old, um, uh, like her. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's very much, 
yeah, it, it's very much a symbol of her love for me, our love of tea, and um, uh, and her way of saying I love you, which is not an easy thing for her to say. Oh, that is gorgeous. So it wasn't just you saw one in a charity shop and thought, oh, I quite like the look of that. No, it's, it's, this is actually fully invested in history and love and relationships. And, and it's funny how objects can do that. You know, I, I'm not a sentimental person, as I'm sure all my listeners know. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just say that? I don't have any listeners. All, both your listeners. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think, I think a, a certain objects which I've clung to have enormous value and they certainly would be the things I'd save in the fire. Uh, yeah. No, on that topic, um, could you could you save your collection in the fire uh, and <laughs> how many wheelbarrow loads would it involve? The words intervention are, are mentioned quite regularly by my friends and my husband. Um, I couldn't possibly save it all in a fire. No, absolutely not. Um, when I went to visit the Denby factory, which was like a lifelong <laughs> uh, ambition, and I went about, oh, God, when did my cat die? About eight years ago. Um, uh, and uh, to cheer me up, we went to visit the Denby factory and did a tour of it and stuff. And they have a shop. They have a seconds shop. Um, and, and for anybody that doesn't know what that means, it just means that they're, they're not 100% perfect. They might have a tiny little sort of imperfection in the glaze so they sell them for a very very reduced price and when i say I, we left that um shop with a pallet of <laughs> to bring back and that was just one trip to one shop and i've been collecting this since i was 16 and i'm 45 now so no i can't i can't save it all i don't know i'd have to just save this teapot and this mug of that music <laughs> Oh, that's gorgeous, though. I was just thinking that, like, some people visit Harry Potter World and get excited. You visit the Denby factory, and I think that's equally valid. I think we're all... Yeah, it was really good talk. So there was about, like, uh, eight people on the tour uh, alongside myself and my husband and the person taking it. And, and by the end, you could sort of sense from the other people that were participating that they were getting a bit sick of how many questions me and my husband were asking because <laughs> every sort of, you know every machine we stopped at and that was explained to us we had follow-up questions so like i'm sorry so how long does it go in this one for and uh, i was re- I-, I thought he'd be bored but he was really really into it i didn't even want to go into the um uh factory and have i didn't want to have the tour i wanted to see the factory i want i didn't want to do the tour and he said no 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 we're doing the tour it was a bit like if you're going to the pride party in brockwell park then you're marching first you know you're not just turning up for the party so he forced me to have the tour and i'm really glad you're not kind of denby pottery arrivis to you know dilettante (laughs) you can't just turn up for the seconds i think think you may have answered my next question already i was gonna say rate your level of obsession from one to seven one is mildly curious for example my level of interest in football and that's basically about the shorts Uh, (laughs) seven is dangerously obsessed to the point where it might threaten your marriage Oh, yeah, yeah. We're on a nine, I think, at the moment. And we have a, we have a really, really... Uh, it's been exacerbated recently because our friend... Well, you know my friend Regina. Uh, our friend Regina. Uh, she, uh, she started buying it for me. I mean, she literally goes into the charity shops on my behalf to find it. Because although, although I was telling you about this new Denby, I, I'm, these days I'm much more interested in buying the old vintage stuff secondhand because you can get it really, really cheaply. And she's, <laughs> yeah, she's started buying really quite large things. <laughs> sometimes they're for birthdays. Sometimes it's just cos. 
And just so now, there's two of us filling this house with nonsense. I think there's nothing lovelier than a present that someone buys you just because they saw it in a shop and thought, oh, they'll like that. It's that lovely, spontaneous thing. Like, I saw a pair of, of um, beautiful vintage shoes in a charity shop in Norfolk once, and I just thought, they will suit Lily Lascala so perfectly. So I phoned her up and said, what... Apropos of nothing, what <laughs> shoe size are you? Oh, that's Andy. Bye. <laughs> Good. And I think that's I think that's a lovely thing. I think we should do more of that. Lovely concept from um, the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, who, as you know, is probably my secret love, my somewhat surprising obsession. Aww. Which is a gift that gets re-gifted and re-gifted and re-gifted to the point where it comes round to its original source. So you, you know, a mathem, did you say? That's lovely. Something that's sort of gathering dust that you go, well, that, that'll do. I'll give that to someone. Somebody. And then eventually it goes round the houses so much it comes back to the origin and, and you go, oh, look. Yeah. Well, I mean, funnily enough, I, I, I love the, I mean, some people call it re-gifting, don't they? Um, and I like the, um, this year for my birthday, uh, our other mutual friend, Sarah Louise Young, who's directing my Victoria Wood show, she gave me a framed photograph, black and white photograph of Victoria sitting in an empty auditorium uh, of the theatre with her feet up uh, on the seats that she was given by somebody uh, previously many years before. And uh, yeah, it's one of the nicest gifts she's ever given me. And she's given me lots of nice gifts. (laughs) I've never given you anything but grief as far as I'm aware. (laughs) No, that's not true. I mean, yeah, she's given me a lot of grief, actually. But you gave me some shot glasses, which I love. And you gave me my very first business card holder. Oh, and you've passed yeah. and on and on. Um, the shot glasses I've passed on, definitely. Yeah, or, or have passed on. I think Becky Hall has smashed most of them over the years. That's our panto colleague, <laughs> Becky Friday Hall. Uh, yes, I, 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 don't, I don't think I went, oh, yes, let's give them away. I just think, oh, let's, let's sweep them out. <laughs> but the business card holder is somewhere. So that business card holder was from Muji, but I'm, I'm not absolutely certain. Yeah, it was metal. It was, very, it was a light silvery metal, yeah, yeah. Gorgeously light, that's what I liked about it, I recall, because obviously, you know, once it's full of cards... It's like suitcases, that's why you want one of those ultra-light ones when, you know, what's the point of it being heavy when it's all, when it's empty? That's like, what's such a bad start? Exactly. Exa- I've got a lovely one that I got from TK Maxx. We're going slightly off-topic here. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think we know what makes Denby Pottery special to you, and it's really, it's just a gorgeous story. I really, really love that. Uh, we can all pause and reflect on the things that we keep in our lives. I, I, I won't be accumulating any more things in my life, A, because there's no more room in my tiny flat, and B, because because I don't want to anymore. I've got enough things. I think accumulating things is, is not ultimately a great thing for the world or for our mental health. Um, well, I like I like the fact that the, the stuff that I'm interested in now, like I said, the second-hand vintage Denby, it isn't expensive. You can, you can get, like, a Denby mug for probably three pound in a charity shop and there are so many beautiful designs my my retirement plan (laughs) one of my retirement plans is to own a a very very quirky very pointless denby museum and uh it's going to be by the seaside probably in mausel in cornwall and uh it's going to be 20p to get in and (laughs) uh, and I'm going to have, I'm gonna be, it's going to be like Noah's Ark. I'm going to have two of every style of Denby that has ever been made. <laughs> and they're just going to live in the little museum with me and I'm going to save them from extinction. I was about to say that um, the, 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 the vintage Denby that uh, Regina sources for you from charity shops might not be expensive in itself, but the extension on your house you're going to have to build. To- <laughs> <laughs> 
my husband went away on business uh, for like four days in November. And when he came back, there was a new shelf. Not just you buy a shelf, but I had to have it measured and fitted. And the man had to you go, you know, go away, make a piece of wood, <laughs> find the right brackets, varnish it come back to the house and fit it. And, I, and, and, and a, 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 in the four month period that all of that took, I omitted to mention it to my husband. <laughs> he just came home and there was a new shelf above a lintel, one of those really, really high ones, and it's covered in Denby, and there's still no room for it. Yeah, I don't know if you ever went there. There was a most wonderful, it's one of my favorite museums ever, and it's unfortunately no longer there. And it was next to a pub, um, which I, I think actually was called Jamaica Inn, and it was a taxidermy museum. <laughs> I can't remember the, the name of the place, but it was it was very much a labour of love. And as you say, you know, admission was probably fifty pence, um, but it was the most glorious devotional labour to to the joys of taxidermy, which, as I'm sure you're aware, I'm a big fan of. Um, <laughs> so, and and I, I I don't know why it's gone. I think maybe the owner died or something like that. But it's uh, yes. Yeah, so so your uh, here's to your Denby Museum. I think that's a wonderful idea life story of Paulus but all acted out using slow motion animation using Denby pottery <laughs> do you know I, I know that you're going to ring a bell but I think it's a really important part of the story um because I was saying about not really enjoying traveling very much often I don't really want to go to work when it comes to going out to do gigs <laughs> and then I tell myself Ah, but the town you're going to will have charity shops. Ah. <laughs> so I really only accept gigs outside of London so that I can go and see what the charity shops have uh, got going as far as the Denby is concerned. <laughs> Anytime I do a gig outside London, I go to a charity shop because I love charity shops. I don't buy any of my clothes new apart from shoes, and that's because you don't necessarily want to get somebody else's athlete's foot. But when I go to any gigs outside London, I find a local charity shop and I buy a tie, and that's a little commemoration of, you know, so I have uh, dozens of the most hideous cheap ties you've ever seen in your life. And I'm not sure, <laughs> to be honest, because I never wear any of them. When I go, you can take all my hideous ties from Bath and Norfolk and wherever. Bournemouth. I think there's one from Bournemouth and that's just a monster. Uh, and... <laughs> the town of Bournemouth or the town? <laughs> <laughs> just burn them. No, don't burn, don't burn them because some of them are polyester. Oh, yes. <laughs> Full circle, uh, and and we I think we may have covered this already. But do you think your secret love does in fact relate to your artistry in some way? Because I, I I get a very strong sense in my gut that that there is a connection here between that investment of love in these objects and what you actually do for a living, which is be bossy. <laughs> <laughs> well. The, the thing about Denby is it's really shiny because uh, it is. It's really shiny because it's been glazed twice. It's been it's been through two different kilns, which I could, if we had uh, many more hours, I could tell you all about. Um, and uh, and it's almost indestructible. It's very hard to break Denby, uh, just like it's very hard to stop me from performing. And many have tried. <laughs> and and it, and it's very shiny. And uh, and I think the shapes are beautiful, but I think the colours and, and the actual. Uh, the the, um, uh, the glaze is uh, is just really eye catching. I suppose it's just the same as buying little trinkets. It's my my magpieness. Well, I think um, you're very shiny, and I've often seen you glazed over. <laughs> you're a bit of a mug. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, 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 w I wish I could do a rim shot right now. <laughs> <laughs> we need a drummer. 
in this. Uh, do the production values run to a drummer in post? Values barely run to a glass of wine. Ah, oh, I think I should just show you before I go. I could literally talk about this for another hour and a half. No. When you go to the Denby factory, as well as the tour, you get to make a piece of Denby. I've made my own frog now. Unfortunately, he's a bit chipped because well, you don't get to glaze it, which is a shame. But you, you make it at the beginning and then during the tour, they put it through a kiln. And so this is sort of biscuit quality. And unfortunately, my big drunken parties here at my house have meant that uh, it's got a little bit chipped over the years. So this is, uh, it was made from a, a mould. I didn't make this uh, myself. <laughs> I didn't shape this myself. It used to be a very popular uh, Denby product, this shape of frog, uh, but they don't make it anymore. And it's, uh, it's quite hard to find. So the mould is really old that I made it from. And then I painted it orange. When I got home with some old tester pots I found in the shed, that's my piece of Denby. It's absolutely gorgeous. so good. <laughs> oh, I've never seen you happier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally sitting in a room, every single side of me has uh, got at least a shelf, if not an entire dresser of Denby uh, to every side of me. And that's why I don't like travelling, because I'm not, I'm not with it. <laughs> I don't like to be away from my, from my flatware. <laughs> I don't like to be away from my flatware. This has been my favourite interview so far in this mm. season. In this, the first of the series. <laughs> absolutely marvellous to catch up and to hear all about your obsession with Denby. I, 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 I never knew. You don't look like a Denby obsessive, but I, I guess they look just like us. You can <laughs> Do you know, if you know Denby, you, you can see it across the room. I mean, I can go into a charity shop and I can, I can see it as soon as I walk in the door. I, I know where, I can probably smell it at this stage, but I know, I know whether it's in the building. And I've got books, you know, that tell you how old it is, depending on the back stamp and stuff. And it's like porn now. I mean, I'm a, group, I'm a member of so many Facebook groups that love Denby. I don't have to look at topless men anymore. I just go and look at some 1960s arabesque <laughs> Denby and the hope that there's a nice lidded sugar pot that I can drool over. <laughs> oh, brilliant. All right, well, I'm going to wrap up now. Now, is there anything you'd like to plug? Because why the hell not? Love. Yes, I would love to say that Looking for My Friend, the music of Victoria Wood is on at the Two Brewers, 22nd of October. Crazy Cox, 1st of November, matinee. And I'm going to Cambridge, Town and Gown in Cambridge, uh, matinee and evening show. Michael Ralston and myself, an hour of 12 of the best of Victoria's songs and why we love them. And check out my website, The Cabaret Geek, for extra dates, which may be happening between now and Christmas. Lovely. Thank you so much. Everyone give a big round of applause for Paulus. Dusty's Hideaway. You've been listening to Dusty's Hideaway with me, Dusty Limits, and Sebastian Snuggles Angelique, and this time round our gorgeous guest, the wonderful Paulus. If you want to support what we do, please do check out our websites and Patreon links. See you next time. Or rather, I won't. This is audio only. I don't know what I'm saying. Written and performed by Mark McInnes and Oliver Retter, Produced by Mark McInnes, all rights reserved.